You're listening to The Esoterics Podcast. This is Fiora Elise. And this is Joe. Welcome back to the Esoterics Podcast. How are you, Joe? I am good. I am good. We've um, we just had uh, the equinox and um, I'm feeling feeling the effects of it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I am also feeling the effects of it because I can't sleep right right now. So it's <gasps> not been fun. <sighs> No, is it like late at night when you wake up or I just or can't get to, to sleep. sleep? Yeah, I just can't like get to sleep, which is really bizarre for me. But and and so what do you do? Read books <laughs> until I get sleepy. <laughs> until you fall asleep. Until didn't you finally like, yeah. just pass out from exhaustion? Yeah, until I just can't read anymore and then until yeah until my eyes get tired and then I'm like okay let's I guess let's go to sleep now but it's really weird for me because I normally don't have a problem sleeping sleep is yeah sleep is not generally a problem for me but I guess it's the equinox thing because I know you were asking if it was like a full moon thing and I don't and and it was very strong on the full moon but yeah I think now where now that you said equinox I'm like oh that explains it the energy is so crazy it's just like this this big shift i mean i i thought that the january energy was um i'm pretty sure i described it as an asshole energy (laughs) in january um and then february was just a lot more gentle it was the aquarius Mm -hmm. right the lover and the you know the just the sweet and um, harmonious sort of energy Mm -hmm. but i don't think that um you know when he moved into like pisces energy that it was um any different it was still very go with the flow but um you know i think it's the aries energy now that we're in that's like okay come on time to take action time to get shit done time to do go you know all that stuff yeah definitely okay hey so we've been getting a few questions about the retreat as far as like what someone can expect to get out of it or what they can expect to learn so i think there's a little clarification that we need to do yeah. Okay. So the original or the intent is, you know, that it's an intuitive development retreat, but maybe that was, um, sort of, a um, you know, wording that was a little bit too pigeonholed because, um, what I'm looking at it as is an opportunity to spend, you know, three days getting to connect with your higher self. And as a result of that, you develop a stronger relationship with your intuition. The other thing is, you know, recently I just had like a four week workshop. Mm -hmm. And so every, you know, for four weeks we covered different things, but the, the big takeaway from that was once you learn to, connect to your higher self, connect to your intuition through meditation, that sort of thing. And then sing an Akashic prayer to, uh, to help strengthen that connection. And then pulling an Oracle or a tarot card for validation of the messages. That's really all you need to develop your, your, your abilities intuitively. Uh 
And I just thought that was huge and a breakthrough. And, you know, I've had students that I've worked with for six weeks and I've had students that I worked with for, you know, four weeks or 12 weeks. And just those four weeks with focusing on those three steps, it made a world of difference. So, um, I think that this retreat is less about intuitive development and more about connecting with your intuition and your higher self, but then also giving people the tools to validate those messages that come in so that they're not questioning themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. But what, what do you see it as? Because you're just as much a part of it as I am. I mean, yeah, I think that by, connecting to your higher self you just naturally become more intuitive yes yes absolutely absolutely but then there's also other things right we're gonna have meditations and breath work and I mean what are some of the things that you're gonna yeah so with the breath work again it just allows you because when you're when you are trying to connect with your higher self and you are trying to become more intuitive you need to take care of it's you're taking care of three things so it's your physical body your health it's your your spiritual body so so these are the things that we incorporate with the the breath work and with movement is that how do you connect your mind your body and your spirit all together how right. how do these three all function together so that's that's where i come in with with the breath work and then we'll do some kind of movement activities as well even something as simple as doing a breath work that incorporates the movement of the body um yeah. allows for for that because when you have that connection it's the mind body spirit connection that allows your intuition to really just kick up and you really start to feel you know where in your body the, the signs hit um yeah. when you're picking up on things um and yeah and it's a really beautiful process but it all in all works together it all ties together and it's, yeah it's beautiful it does and you know um we're going to we're today we're going to talk to um um our friend Steph about or the women's circles that she's um facilitating but i i have to tell you that she inspired me and i think you know um one of the things that we need to have every single day is some sort of circle some sort of um just sacred beautiful you know connection yeah. circle yeah. Um, of all of us together. Yes. So, um, you know, on top of a creative aspect, you know, um, Cassie's going to come and she's going to teach us, get, give us, give us a, a fun creative outlet. And then there's walks on the beach and hikes and bonfires and just connecting over really good, healthy, yummy, nutritious food. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a great, it'll be a great weekend full of connecting with self and others and, um, you know, listening to your body and your mind and yeah i'm excited so. yes yeah so if you haven't already if you would like to see more details about our retreat this is taking place on may 27th through may 29th and this is in west olive michigan and the current yes. price is 888 and this is for three days and two nights and we do have payment plans available um the details for the retreat and everything are going to be linked in our show notes 
Yeah. So join us, join us. It'll be a wonderful um, opportunity. And if you want to save some money, you can also um, just join us during the day. Um, and that um, is five fifty five um, for just the day retreat. Yep. So, yeah. All right. And now we're going to move into our conversation with Steph. Yeah, it's a good one. Hi. So no, today we're welcoming Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, everybody. Hi, Steph. Hi, Joe. <laughs> Hi. Steph is an expat living in Peru, and we're going to talk to her about her journey um, moving to another country, how she found herself, creating circles of gathering, and all that good stuff. How I found myself. That sounds good, too. Still going there. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. All right, Steph. So, yeah. So, tell us about yourself. Tell us just about yourself and where you came from and how you ended up in Peru. Yeah, right on. Um, let's see. I am from the Northwest. I'm originally from the Northwest. And uh, and I think like we do in circles, I think it's fair also to, to kind of honor where I'm coming from, no? and especially in my given uh, trio here. I think it's also fair yeah. to say that, like, really average middle class white family of the 80s. Ah. And I want to <laughs> say that because cause with all that white middle class average 1980s, there's a lot of invisible trauma, no? Yeah. And so so I was raised that way. We lived um, outside of the Seattle area in Everett. Uh, and there was some sort of intuitive that I understand now was me, I think, listening to this piece of me mm. when I was the mm -hmm. first one to to leave the state to go study, no? And then when I was the uh. one that started to travel by myself, uh-huh, there were these places where, or this, these little pieces of me that, that were very different from my family. So nowadays we recognize this, like the black sheep, no? <laughs> I don't know if we say that these days <laughs> anymore. But but yesterday, this weekend, when we had a circle, we all had identified some things. And really the common denominator between everybody was that mm. this thing that brings us together is this difference that made us from our families. No? And so this was me. This was my place. Yeah. And so I studied. And when I went down to study, this is when I went to Portland, I went to study and I didn't go home. You know, I stayed and I studied oh. and I worked. Right. I, I wasn't the one that went home on Christmas breaks or went home for the weekend to do my laundry. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> so because I stayed down there and because I worked while I was studying, I, I got I saved money because I wasn't doing anything else. And so mm -hmm. I began to travel. And now back then, this is even before JetBlue. Is that what it's called? Uh -huh. Right, and they yeah. remember when they first came out, they sold really cheap tickets. But I was traveling right before that, and so it was cheaper for me to go to Latin America than it was to go to New York, for instance. Oh, huh? Right, and then they say about New York that you need a friend so you can sleep on a couch and you can eat some food. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was far cheaper for me to just go by myself to Latin America, and wow. so I did that. Mm -hmm. I did this and then I uh, became a high school teacher. I taught for seven years in total. I taught uh -huh. from the little ones all the way to the big high school ones. Um, and and so I got a bunch of breaks during the year. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The summer uh -huh. off. Uh -huh. The summer off, the spring break. Where in Latin America? Where were some of the places that you went? Oh, my love. I've been from from the 
the border, our southern border from Texas all the way down to Patagonia. So I did it little by little. No? Okay. Um, yeah, I lived cool. in Mexico for a little while in a university. I went and I lived down there and I did some work. <laughs> and, uh, and then the year after I graduated actually from undergrad, I, the next day I got on a one-way ticket to Mexico <laughs> <laughs> and went back, went back to Mexico. I worked for, uh, I worked for a social justice program that, you know, back at home when we invite kids either from high school or some church groups, they go down to Mexico to do good. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. Humanitarian. What is that called? Uh, it's usually through their church where they yeah. go down and they help people. What is that called? I don't know because because we were trying to do like a different take on it. We were trying to do social justice. And so we had a bunch of university groups as well. Okay. Um, and so, and we were the ones that would receive them through our program though. And so we spent the week um, working in community, but then we were also, we would take them to the border, do a long meditation to kind of recognize people at the border and people in Latin America and what they had to do, you know? And like yeah. the, the big part of it was like losing name. And what that means. Ah, okay. Uh, we, we would work in a soup kitchen once a week. Um, there's also when folks... I also studied... My undergrad is in criminal justice. And so I worked with the Latin American population up there in Portland um, through the criminal justice system. Uh, and okay. so when they're deported, they're just dropped off in Tijuana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Even if they're not Mexican. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Anybody. Yeah. Anybody just gets dropped off. Yeah. So we would go and we would work in a soup kitchen and a and a place where folks would go because they build their own community, no? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the amount of teenagers that you meet that don't even speak Spanish. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. Okay. So you're telling me that they are not even from Mexico, but they're dropped off and they don't speak the language and they're just teenagers. Uh-huh. That's it happens. Yeah. Oh. I had a friend from high school who this happened to. His family... Um, brought him here when he was like two years old so yeah. he was no, not born here he was born in Mexico and at some point I don't know what happened he ended up getting deported and he had to stay there for I think like five years and he didn't even speak Spanish um, yeah. yeah and he had to stay it there for so long her. and move with family who he'd never met and <sighs> yeah it, it, mm-hmm. yeah I mean, it's heartbreaking just, yeah I know I'm not gonna I'll, you know I'll complain about it but um, I mean it's not right. Wrong. No. Yeah, uh, by the way, mission trip was the word I was looking for. Ah, yes. yes. A mission yeah. which, <laughs> That's what they go on. Which uh-huh. those are much different, that sounds like, yeah. than what you did because I feel yeah. like. Yeah, we were, no. we were definitely trying. Like, you know, one of the rules was don't bring all your stuff and then bring it. Ah. Don't show up to the place with all your donations. Oh, because okay. then that right there creates this um, this hierarchy between hierarchy. Uh, people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they yeah. would donate stuff yeah. because, of course, they came from all over the United States and they had a bunch of stuff to donate. And then we would collect it. And then throughout the time or we would eat lunch with the families every day. We lived in these small communities, no, on the outsides of Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when we found a mamas and there aren't a lot of father figures there uh-huh. because they leave. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So then we became closer and closer to the the families and all the mamas. And so when people needed things, or we start, we tried, we didn't start a school, but we tried to have like supplies, you know, yeah. so that the kids had stuff. So I did that. Um, and actually, there's just a small detail that <laughs> that the man that I was working with there, I kind of mm-hmm. liked. 
Uh-huh. Um, but I was too busy living my life. I think I was only 21 or 22. And so when I left to go back home, um, we stayed in contact. So then lots of time goes. I sink more into teaching. Um, and so during my teaching years, I went to Europe for the second time. I went to Central America for a whole summer. Like I would leave right after the school year and I'd come back with the first meeting for teaching, no? And I would just backpack. And my rules were always the same. Like I have one travel buddy. It's a friend from junior high and so or high school. And so um, other than that, I travel by myself. Uh I don't plan anything. You know, I just go to the next country. And so I made my my weight systematically down. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. And then... uh, yeah, and I taught high school, and I loved teaching high school in Portland. I taught high school Spanish. It felt great. It felt good. And then I, I quit, and I bought another one-way ticket. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so that's where, like, after after all this work and, and doing all the things I've been doing, sure, it was um, because there's a lot of commentaries about running away from things. No? Uh, like that, that in that invisible trauma that I mentioned in the beginning. Sure. So now you have this black sheep of the family that left home and never went back during university, and 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 now she's traveling everywhere. And so the even the even the closer friends who felt courageous enough to confront me with like, why do you keep leaving? You know, that's like a mm. a thing mm. that comes up. You must be running away from something. And what I understand now is that actually, I think I was actually listening to my actual self. Yes. So that's interesting because that doesn't occur to me. What are you running away from? It occurs to me that you're running towards something. You're yeah. looking for that thing that is out there for you. It's about, and I think maybe that's because, you know, Fiorelli's and I get that because we, we have fives in our blood and there has to be a five someplace in your soul. I think there are. I have, yes. I have some fives. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, I just, I just, when we identify like white middle-class 1980s, of course, descended in a divorce. Ah, uh, uh-huh. Right? So there's like deep trauma in my family. My mother's from Europe and so, and my, my grandparents survived a war, no? So we're working with like deep actual trauma. Then we work with just like social trauma yes. of the 80s. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, and so then there's a divorce. Uh, my brother died in a car accident. And so there were a lot of things where from the external, someone could look at me and say like, wow, this one just doesn't want to face her reality mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit. No, so I'm just going to keep going. And I go by myself and I just do it with a mochila, with a backpack. And, I, and I'm just going to leave for the summer, you know? Right. Yeah. And so it was easy to interpret. But Joe, yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's coming from an enlightened soul <laughs> who understands it. I think the black sheep gets a bad rap. Because I think definitely the idea of a black sheep is somebody who, you know, walks to the tune of their own drum, like the beat of their own drum. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they do, they live their life in the way that they see fit, not in the way that other people impose on them. Mm -hmm. Also, though, I do believe that somebody with that, that mindset and, and living in that, in that way, what you're actually doing is releasing trauma. And a lot of it is ancestral trauma, family limitations and generational trauma. There's so much stuff there to unpack. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you, you need that distance from where you came from, from where you grew up to be able to look at it from a different perspective. And I always think that when you go somewhere, especially when you're going like that on your own, it's, 
you're not running away. You're you're going to find yourself. You're going that's, to yeah. yeah. Yep. That's yeah. exactly that's exactly what I feel like here in Portland. I found a part of myself. Uh, I never would have met her or known her if I had stayed in Michigan. Not to the degree that I know myself now. Never. I already, I know that. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I would also say from a from the actual it feels like the opposite perspective. The first time I went to Europe, um, twenty something like this. I don't remember twenty twenty one something, and um, I felt at home. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was this, and my 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 blood. My mother is one hundred percent Polish, mm-hmm. but what happened after the war there is that of course they had to move and leave, and so the actual state and the actual passports are something different. Uh-huh. But I remember going. I mean, I went there for the first time, and it was the whole backpack deal. It was the you know the multiple months that people do this for, and but something felt really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so because back in my twenties and being twenty twenty one, I didn't I didn't I didn't even use the word trauma. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. None of us did. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. And so, and so, and I and I had no concept of listening to myself. Right. So also, it was really easy to believe the peanut gallery's commentary about how, of course, I was escaping the 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 visible trauma of my family. Now. Mm. Um. And so then, and I remember feeling like at home in Europe. Like I just felt. <laughs> Like things made sense there, and and then culture shock coming home, which we know about, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really mm-hmm. mind. It's mind blowing mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how difficult it's it is the- to then come home. Right. Mm-hmm. I spent two weeks in Italy, and just coming back after two weeks was like a culture yeah. shock. So I can't imagine yeah. living over there and then coming back. It's it's. It's so heavy. It's so we could talk for a whole time about just what it's like to go home for Christmas break. <laughs> right. How did you find yourself in Peru? Right. So so all the traveling, then the one-way ticket after my after I quit my wonderful, you know, we call it a vocation when we love our job so much. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to go. I don't know. I had to go. Again, it was that. So this trip turned into me moving to France. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so then France fell apart. It was a broken heart, but that was a good year of <laughs> recognizing more whatever you recognize when the hearts break so deeply. And so then the man that I mentioned in the very early Mexican trip uh-huh. with whom I worked, we had stayed yeah. friends the whole time. Uh-huh. So when he decided to visit me 10 years later, because of France, so all the random details start to come together, because yeah. of my experience having like just moved to France, uh. <laughs> just moved, and I sold everything I owned, and I was going to create a new life, mm-hmm. and with it backfiring, the grand lesson of the many, one of the like most uh, concrete, easy to express lessons was, I'm because the man that I met in Mexico is from Austria. Uh-huh. So it was very easy for me to say, I don't want to move to Vienna and I don't want to invite you to Portland. Like we have to figure something else out. Yeah. And we yeah. did. <laughs> and so he talked to his job and and it was either Ecuador or Peru and we really wanted to move to Ecuador. <laughs> and they sent us to Peru. Uh-huh. Uh, so seven years ago, seven years ago, two children and a completely different life. Oh, you've yeah. been there this whole, you've been there for seven years? Yes, love. Oh, wow. 
that's a long yeah, time. That's why it's hard to talk about going home for Christmas. So your children were born in Peru. Uh, number one, uh, who's now six years old, she, I, she was born in Portland, and she knows she's from Portland. <laughs> she knows it's her city, but we came back when she Yay. was two months old. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, our youngest okay. child, who's now three and a half, she was born. She's our anchor baby. <laughs> she keeps us in Peru. <laughs> she's proving <laughs> anchor baby. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so she's the one with the Peruvian passport. Uh yeah, so number 2 was born because I wanted for oh, for my first okay. birth, I'm I'm I have a lot of uh, my women back at home with whom I'm still in touch. They are doulas. They have given home births like they've they're into this, no? And so my first birth cuz you have no idea what's going to happen oh, yes. in birth. Um I wanted to go home. And so yeah. we went home and we coupled it with a little Christmas holiday um, so that I had my people. You know, so I had my people. Yeah. yeah. When, to do it, when to do it one time, you can do it, you can do it many more times. And so then when I got pregnant the second time, it was, it was right. fine. To, I felt more comfortable. I felt empowered. I felt like I was capable to give birth in our home in Peru. Nice. So we stuck around. Oh. So you did. So we're both home births then. It sounds my like. first child. It's going to be so interesting to like talk to her when she's understands more. She came five weeks early. Uh huh. So in Portland, you can't have a home birth at five weeks early because it's sure pretty yeah. early. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see how we see. Because she also she she was starting to come five weeks early, and then it took forty eight hours for her to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be like that. That mm, it's not science, you know. That philosophy of why so early, but then why why so slow? <laughs> like who are oh. you going to be when you're older? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying. An interesting mm-hmm. dichotomy of yeah, two things that are uh-huh. yeah, opposed to each other. Because <laughs> sometimes when they come, this is this is just in general, but sometimes coming early and then you put the philosophy together because the birth was, you know, it was quick and early mm-hmm. and there was like, this child wanted to come into the world. Right, right. Mine, mine had her own, her own sweet rhythm. So no, the first one I had, to, we had to go, we ended up going to the hospital. It could also be too, it's like she wanted to come early, but your body was like, wait, hold on. You need to wait a little bit longer. It could have totally been that. Absolutely. And her, her, it could have absolutely been that. And her father was actually in Peru at the time. So, oh, so there was also recognition of like, what plane ticket do I buy? And, 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 yeah. And that she waited for. So it was sweet. Yeah. That is sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. So so it's been seven years in Peru. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So what, we really wanted to get into was so now currently you're organizing these beautiful women's circles but I just want to know like how how did that idea just start how where did that spawn from and what was your intention with beginning yeah yeah that started in postpartum (laughs) and like I don't mean to laugh because postpartum is is such a complex world and so for some people it's very, very, very complex and very, very, very difficult. Um, some people, it's not. So there's this long spectrum of what postpartum right. offers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So given that whole history and that story of mine, I wasn't surrounded by my family. Uh-huh. You know, I, I wasn't surrounded by my family or my culture or my language or my food or my anything, not my anything. Mm -hmm. And so um, um, it was very tough and it was very alone. It was very uh, lonely, lonely, lonely. I mean, I ultimately recognized that I was dealing with some postpartum depression. And in, and in all yeah. of my time through my 20s and all that, the little, the little um, dramatic things that happened in my family, I recognized sadness. It, it wasn't new to me. It wasn't new. Mm -hmm. But this time it was definitely different. And no one ever talks about postpartum. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. there, and there's a lot of guilt that goes with motherhood because you just give birth to a baby be happy exactly <laughs> yeah yeah I remember being when I came home with my daughter and I was I was almost 21 I was like a couple days away from being 21 years old and so my friends didn't you know I had not had I had not been around newborns because of my friends or anything like that I was the first one out of my friends to have a child and I remember being home with her and holding her and looking at her and like for a moment I stopped thinking about her and I th felt this thing about myself and I felt uh so alone and so like um like worthless it was this really really depressing feeling that overcame me for for a few minutes and then because I, I, I felt like oh I had been this vessel and everyone had given me all this attention like you know, like, like people do when you're pregnant, like, you know, people open doors for you, you know, they, they they go kind of the extra mile for you. And then all of a sudden you're not pregnant anymore. And it's like, that's gone. And yeah, it was a really overwhelming feeling. The only thing that helped me in that moment was like, I, I was breastfeeding and that, that like was that, you know, that instant shot of serotonin. Mm -hmm. And that's what like helped me get out of that. But yeah, my second child was far different because at that point I wasn't working. I was staying at home. And so the postpartum with that child was so much more escalated and long term because I didn't realize that postpartum man because I always thought it was like oh you're just sad like I uh -huh. like postpartum depression like depression is sad mm -hmm. and I was like oh, I'm not sad I'm not a sad person mm -hmm. but I was angry yes I was mad yes. like things would set me off yes. so easily yes and and I didn't recognize that until well after that when someone said that depression can manifest as anger mm -hmm. or as frustration or like irritation easily set you off uh -huh. irritation uh -huh. yes yeah yeah no, yeah those yeah. good I, yeah. Because I remember like everything that the Austrian did would just irritate me, and <laughs> and it was hard to and it was hard to talk about it because if I told anybody about it, they, it, it they're just they're just little things. It's just little mm -hmm. things, and it's so yes. unimportant. It's so unimportant, but like rage, yes, rage, mm -hmm. like real anger, um, real mm -hmm. anger, and then. And when, when I refer to being lonely, it's because, you know, I'm also just sitting in there kind of waiting for him to come back from work, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. My only good yeah. friend at the time was a single, he's not, he was a guy, he didn't have any kids, he was married, but he's just 
living living his, his life. fun life <laughs> and yeah. yeah and and so there i mean there was no possible conversation there with a with right with a guy right. <laughs> you know it was just yeah. just managing things at home yeah yeah and, and and i remember too someone told me like did you know that depression can show up in irritation and i was like what hmm. Yeah. And, and you Google yeah. it and then you, you, you look at like postpartum mm-hmm. depression and you start understanding it and you're like, and, and it's really empowering and empower, empowering and beautiful because you understand something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. because half of it is you don't understand what's happening and mm-hmm. you can even say right. in your brain, like what you're doing right now is driving me <laughs> mad. Mm-hmm. But I, but I know that all you're doing is sitting funny. Like, so, so we can't even talk about it. No, there's like not even enough therapy to like get you through that, you know, that peaceful conversation. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I certainly don't experience or haven't experienced postpartum, but whenever I am volatile or I know, okay, there's something going on. Whenever I get really frustrated, really angry, really easily, there's Mm -hmm. something going on. Yeah. 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 And hormones are mm-hmm. not in their place. Right. Right. It's not not one of them. Absolutely. And like that is months and months and a year. It takes a long time. And that's again, yeah. people talk about postpartum, but like, mm, it's not just 40 days. That, down here, they yeah. refer to the quarantena, the, 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 the quarantine. So yes, the sacred yeah. 40 days after birth. And so I've even worked with women that are like, well, I'm done with my postpartum because they got to day 42. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, sweet one, sweet <laughs> one. No, you're not. Um, so is that the intention of the of the, the woman's circle was to to be like have a safe space for women experiencing postpartum? Well, it was there once I started realizing those things was like, I got to go certified to be a doula. Uh, I got to be a doula. Yeah. I need to, plus after giving birth for some people, but I'm one of those people that's like, let's do it again. And like, let's be around it. (laughs) Just a birth junkie. Just like, give me all the pregnant ladies. (laughs) Let's give birth. I'm horrified at the thought of even (laughs) doing it once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people are there, and and everyone's birth story is completely their own. So it's all a different it's all a different game for everyone. But so I wanted to become a doula. I'm living in a different culture. All the different things um, make it harder than it would be at home because at home I just go mm-hmm. do the things I do to get certified, and I put those things in frames and I put them on my wall, and I and I talk to my friends that are having babies, and and it's easy. So that wasn't happening in my existence down there. Um, and I got to think about it. it. We we go, we move along. I This is what happened. I had no friends except for the guy uh-huh. with whom I'm still friends yeah. these days. And, and, and he's a lovely human and now has two children of his own. So now he gets it. Yes. Um, and finally, just by ser- it's beautiful serendipity. It's the way, it's not coincidence. It's the way that my life needed to go. This woman yeah. with in the barrio, like living right next to me, uh-huh. uh, we had continually seen each other. Our kids looked the same. They both had the, uh-huh. amber, both had the amber necklaces and the wooden yeah. spoon. 
Um, <laughs> she invited me to the park one day. Uh-huh. And she had been going to the park with two other women, and all of our kids were born within 10 days. Wow. And we all realized, too, that we had gone to the same birthing house. There was one, like, birthing house, like, holistic birthing house. I think back yeah. at home we called them, like, birthing homes. where Or birth centers. Birth, birth center, centers, like, where you want to have a as empowered birth as possible, not having to go to the hospital, but you're not in your living room, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh. And so we're talking and things feel so amazing mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not just the, it's not just the little, uh, bandaid to loneliness. It was like one of them sat there exactly. and smoked cigarettes the whole time. And I was like, wow, <laughs> great. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so, so against everything that everyone says and, and, and our kids now are one. So I spent the whole first year trying uh-huh. to remain this whole first year was the tough year no I don't want to use too many idioms or something because some people really struggle with mental like deep mental health in postpartum right um so I spent the first year trying to figure it out and in some darkness so then I go to the park and one of them is smoking the whole time and the other one has chosen to be a single mother the whole time I mean like that was her plan which is also not very part Uh, of this culture to yeah Make to make the choice to be a single mother. Um, we're from three different countries, all of us, the four of us there, and it felt so good. It felt so like I could sit back and lay back, and all the kids played, and it was like this sip of um, I'm like a human again. Yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like a human with other humans again, and um, I'm not just like like dando teta. I'm not not just just like mother. Yeah, yeah, not just breastfeeding all day and like making soup or something or just resting or like I was watching TV. We don't even have a TV, but I was like watching a TV. Yeah. Um, and so at one point, and I remember telling them this at one point I said, so now it's 2000, it's 2017. And I told them, why are we doing this with other women? Like, why are we only four? And they were like, what do you mean? You know, it was kind of just, thrown off but I remember that moment as like no no why isn't everybody doing this everybody and of course in that in that place I was still a postpartum mama so at this point Uh I think maybe I was thinking like I was dreaming up things of like I'm gonna go rent a space and all the Zumba that I do on my computer I'm just gonna like bring the computer to the space and we can Uh have (laughs) we can have tea there and we can have like some toys for the kids and we can just do Zumba together like why aren't we doing Zumba together you know Let's just do my yoga videos. Yeah. I had no intention to like certify to do yoga or to teach anybody any movement. Uh-huh. I just wanted to do it, not in my living room by myself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's something to be said about that because this is something that actually only came into my knowing very recently. So we hear a lot about our stress responses and when we get stressed and there's the fight or flight, right? Fight or flight or freeze. Um response to stress. However, women have another tendency to deal with stress, which is much more different. Actually, fight or flight is actually a more masculine response to stress. The more feminine response to tend or fight fight or flight is actually or to stress actually is tend and befriend. Mm, I've heard of this concept. Yes, tend Tend and befriend. Yeah. So this is like okay. So something awful just happens to you, right? And 
who do you call? Like, because you can call, yeah, like, if you're, if you have a significant other, uh, you know, a, a male a husband, you can call him and be like, blah, 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 you know, and tell him. And he's just going to tell you, like, you know, calm down or it's not that big of a deal, whatever. But it, you, but normally we do this. And who do we call? Like, we call our girlfriends uh-huh. and say, like, hey, like, this is what happened. And because you want someone to sympathize with you, you want someone who understands and you want to have this whole conversation mm-hmm. around what just happened, not just like not just tell someone, but you want to have a conversation. Yeah. So that that's the beauty of, of that, that beautiful. Yeah, you want that nurturing, you want that feedback, you want sometimes, yes. you know, you just want um, somebody to say, you know what, you're that's okay that you got mad, you know, because yeah, you know, just yeah. feminine energy, just feminine. Yeah, energy. the masculine energy, like all. Yeah, these guys like to well, solve yeah. a bunch of stuff, you know. But, but right, yeah, right, yeah, right. And so, yeah, so that that is that that fight or flight is like either you know you you confront the problem yeah. or you run away from the problem. Whereas tandem befriend is different than that. It's more of like, oh hey, let's work through this, mm-hmm. or let's work on this together, or uh-huh. or hey, that happened to me too, yes. and that was so frustrating. Yes. And now you relate. Now you don't feel so alone in whatever it is you're going through, no matter how right. small. I call this alchemy. Yes, in my circles. Yeah. So, how did you find members to join? So, yeah. So, well, so then I got pregnant again because then we're all just hanging out and Mm -hmm. now our community of people is growing. And so things feel better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's making babies, everyone's becoming friends. Uh, We sink into a really nice life in Lima. Right now, we're living in Lima. So I've kind of, I've, okay. I'm, I'm dabbling with this birthing center to, uh-huh. you know, be a doula. I get pregnant. I go and I start studying things. I start, um, I start doing, I start receiving a lot of energy work, different things, uh-huh. oh, Reiki, uh-huh. Akashic records, things of this nature. And then I, and from the very beginning, so even before I was having the ideas of putting my computer up with Zumba now and I went into space. So the first time yes. someone read my Akashic records, they identified that I was there in this place with women around me. And I was like, yeah, doing Zumba. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, things kept going. I wasn't the only one that got pregnant. We were kind of living in a really nice expat community. It was, it was people from all over. It was comforting. It was absolute family. Absolute family. Yeah. Um, in this situation, people leave. And then in our situation, so we have two kids and there is a pandemic that happens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I guess I should back up though. Uh, the school year is different down here. Okay. So, uh-huh. okay. so we have, we have summer break during Christmas. Oh, oh. Because oh. huh? we're, we're on the other side of the globe. Oh, yeah. We're upside down. Australia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. So, uh. So the last month of school, so now my oldest child is going to preschool, if we want to call it that, like a little preschool. Mm-hmm. And there's all these moms and I uh, try to do my best to run sometimes there. And there are sweet, supportive commentary about like, oh, look at this one's trying, you know. <laughs> so I looked at them at one point and I said, why don't we go to the park that's right behind the school? Why don't we all meet like an hour early and do yoga, like not Zumba, but just like stretch, sit in a circle, yeah. stretch, you know, like talk about stuff. And sure enough, 
the first time we get together, <laughs> everyone showed up like an hour before and we all just sat mm -hmm. there and talked. Everybody talked. Yeah. And it just so happened that someone in our community had lost a child. And so I oh. started, this was not the intention. This was not the intention at all. But I started this circle of moms who wanted to do yoga with a candle mm -hmm. and some incense and some stones. There are some particular stones that we use with mamas. And I told uh -huh. them, hey, before we get into everything, I just want to name some names. I want to recognize what happened this weekend and like just let everyone know kind of what I'm dealing with, no? Because it was a friend of mine. And sure enough, yeah. we all sat yeah. around and like we all just became mamas. Mm. Just mamas that yeah. wanted to talk. And like I think in the middle of some conversation, we kind of did some weird stretching, but like the idea was not <laughs> yoga, yeah. right? <laughs> um, everyone is kind of doing this uh, while we talked about our feelings so then mm -hmm. that became a thing but now we're looking at like October we're looking at September October and school's almost done so I get a friend that's a yoga teacher like a yoga certified yoga whatever and I'm, we were trying to make it more real let's let's do this and let's be real yes. we started meeting two days a week an hour and a half before it was like really great and then summer break happened during those times And it got difficult because that's what summer break does. And then, like, yeah. the first day of school, um, the kids all went to school. And then before the kids even got home, it was, I think we're not going to come to school. This is March now because school starts in March. Oh. So it was like, I think we're going to hold off yeah. this week. Let's not send the kids. And then the next, that was a Wednesday. And then Monday, uh -huh. um, the whole world shut down. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Which yeah. took us all into where we went. Mm -hmm. Okay. Deep, dark, lonely. Like it's like the world went into postpartum <laughs> mm -hmm. without <laughs> the birthing. Yeah, it. yeah. It's like the world had to stay home and see how uncomfortable it felt to rest. Um, mm -hmm. See how uncomfortable it felt to be with these people that um, we always left every day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone had this wonderful, socially acceptable escape every day to go to work. Right. Uh, so my group, because at this time we have a WhatsApp chat, you know, so I have, I have my group because we would like meet at a certain time and whatever we would say to each other. And so now this yeah. group starts turning into like, how's everybody doing today? Mm, because yeah. like mental health yeah, check-in yeah, because I just mm -hmm. smashed a broom on my kitchen counter how's everyone else doing <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, things got bad over here <laughs> and it was yeah. also like what are you doing with your kids because down here in Peru we were no one was allowed to go outside nobody you there wow yes and so we were all in and we live in a big city no Lima's a big city so when we imagine big cities it's not everybody has a yard it's everyone's in an apartment building Uh-huh, uh-huh. So this group turns into like, yeah, men, like a support network of intentions, gratitude, uh, survival, tend and befriend, Yes. you know, because like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Plus also the world is in a pandemic. Like I think I'm having like an anxiety attack, you know, things like this. Not yes. to mention the children. Yes. Not to mention like right. doing the things that people had to do. Yeah, yeah. So my family had plans anyways to move out of Lima. These got pushed back because of the quarantine and the pandemic. Um, and so finally, instead of moving in April, we got to move in August. 
Okay. Um, okay. I do not know. I got a hair up my ass. And in October, it just so <laughs> happened that the full moon landed on Halloween of that year. Uh-huh. And I was yeah. like, Samhain, I fucking love Samhain. Like, let's do it, baby. And like, it just so happened that a friend was staying with us at the time. So I had like a sister with me. And it just so happened yes. some, because now we live in this sacred valley. So what's happened also, and I think it's happened up in the States too, people have left the cities. Yes. To go mm-hmm. out to yeah. where there's fresh yeah. air and their kids can run around and like no one, more no one cares about yep. school anymore, right? So yeah. Yeah. they figured that they could do it at home. So now they just do. Home now they just do it. Beach. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I happened to have like a friend that was staying with us at the time. And this is actually the woman that invited me to the park five years earlier. Oh. So like with all my honor and all my like, oh my gosh, let's, let's do this. And because the pandemic put us all online. Yeah. Right. So I was like, I don't know. There's this Zoom thing that's out there. Why don't I ask all those women on my list if they want to have a women's circle? Because I had also begun going to them uh, in my second pregnancy. And I and I would go, I have breastfed in women's circles. I have babies sleeping on me in women. Like, so I started going. Yeah. So when I started going, obviously it was like this. I completely skipped this whole part of the story. I had begun going prior to all this and I thought it was the most amazing thing ever to sit yeah. around yeah. with a group of 20 strange, like not strange women, but strangers that are women. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and every single one of them, no matter what walk of life. And again, I'm in Peru, so it's not even like my people. It's not my people at all, but like mm-hmm. every single one, all through the cycles of female existence, all through the life patterns, all through the, I can't have babies. I want babies. I have babies. I don't want babies. Like all the different stories. And you feel like that too. Right. You connect and you can hold space for people who are different than you, but at the same time, just like you. And you feel recognized. You feel recognized. Yes. And heard. Yes. Heard. Yes. Recognized. And all the verbs all the verbs yeah and then on top of it which is beautiful what I do now and what I've learned to do is also really sprinkling in this spirituality to it spiritual um, music ritual and then I've made my stuff my own but so then fast forward to the 2020 saw when full moon and I just thought it was the perfect opportunity to try something on for size and I did it with my beloved mamas from the park so it was like uh-huh. a safe space and I was like hey I don't know we've been talking on you yes. know we used to get together and try to do yoga and chat then we just went through this uh, quarantine thing together like why don't we just meet up on an evening and try to have a virtual circle so yeah that's my virtual circle that I have now Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so now this is two wow. years ago. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah, it really kind so, of slipped into place. What's for you? I think we've already covered like obviously what's the most enjoyable, the fulfilling, the fulfilling parts of of these gatherings. But what would you say is like the most difficult thing about organizing these? Oh. Um. 
I have some shit that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And it's the same shit as everybody, basically, with its different flavors and its different um, shades. Mm -hmm. It's this stuff from an old narrative that our inner child is still working on or still needing. Right? And so I would honest, honestly, I tell you, some of my biggest obstacles are things that are just showing up inside myself. And even just a couple of moons ago, I remember thinking like, this is just my little prueba. This is my little um, test. No? Mm -hmm. um, because I have a teaching background. Teaching comes up in all my yes. numerology. Like me present, I'm, I'm Cancer Leo. I'm three minutes away from Leo. I have Aries all over my chart. I have no problem talking, talking, yes. <laughs> talking to people, talking Expression. in front of people. Mm -hmm. None of this is this. And I, this is not a problem. And I also... Uh, I, as a teacher, also, I had to create. I had a book, no? And they said, like, at the end yes. of chapter one, make sure the kids know this. But then when you're teaching, mm. no one actually sits in there and cares what you do. So I got to create that. <laughs> I got to create that. And, and this is where I find my yeah. creative stuff, you know? Like, I, I don't scrapbook. I <laughs> I make classes. Or now I've, like, just literally grown into, I'm not 20 anymore, I'm 40. And, like, and I'm... And now I have this different vision, different idea. It's a different chapter of a different book. So it's a different okay. moon. And so me translating, I use a lot of astrology in it. And so me translating like what we should do for this moon, this also, it's just, it's like creative time for me, no? So sometimes the okay. hardest thing is what I'm continuing to learn and heal in myself. Like mm. even before I show up to the circle and I get to talk, even before then, I've already dealt with, um, for instance, and this is, it's so real. It's so real. Like how many people show up and how my value as Stephanie has nothing to do with how many people show up. Uh -huh. Right. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It's the same you know what classes, I'm saying? online classes, meditations, yeah. the lives, what have you. Totally. You know, we base our worth yes. sometimes or a success on the number of views we have and that's not at all yes yeah. your guys's imposter syndrome yeah, episode was i mean it's like i know right right, right. yeah um so yeah. i would honest honest to god um every new cycle it's 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 some version of that it's some version of my own healing that needs to happen and is happening mm -hmm. um it's it, it's happening even in the creation of these things, or even just knowing that another moon is coming up, and uh, along with me being okay talking in front of people and creating things, like I'm not business minded. Yeah. So, for instance, I I have uh. done everything up until just recently. I've done everything based on donations, and that was that was a grand lesson because then my value has been this confusing act of. Um, money that comes in uh -huh. but when you set up a right. donation ain't nobody right. feeling like they gotta donate because like i'm just showing up right. and i also we also live like in a post-pandemic right so a lot of people are struggling and i also live in a world where everyone's trying to create so i can't put a yeah. i mean a huge price tag doesn't happen down here i also don't live in the northern hemisphere so the the price tags are different down here right. so right. so that feels like the most challenging thing to me honestly because the rest of it feels pretty natural 
it feels yeah. pretty natural. And having come through my story and feeling the feelings I feel, and I have two daughters, and we are still living in a patriarchy. So, like, my intention behind these things is true and real and deep. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. women women must start empowering themselves. Women can do that so easily when they get together. When we get together, we're like, yeah. we're, mm, I want to say triggering, but that's got a weird connotation these days. But we're, we're bringing back an ancestral practice of when we were yeah, powerful. waking each other yes. up. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Can I tell you what came through um, intuitively when you were talking about your difficulties? Are, are you are you open yeah. to hearing that? Okay. Yeah, can um, everybody hear it? So, <laughs> yeah, just share it with the world. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's more about those challenges that you're experiencing. Um, you experience something in your life and then the opportunity comes up or the forum comes up for you to then turn around and use that. So... Teacher, learn, teacher, teach. Healer, yeah, yeah. heal thyself. Healer, then heal others. So exactly. it's this cyclical yeah. thing. And it typically comes with a master number. I'm a 33-6, and that's exactly how I share, how I teach. 90% of the posts, or not even the posts in the group, but those moon messages or the monthly messages or mm -hmm. the whatever those messages are, those are... 90% of the time that shit that I'm also dealing with, but it also becomes the greater message for the whole spirits. Like you have to deal with this and then share with how, what you learned as a result of it. So that seems yes. that's, that's what's coming through for yeah. you and why it can feel so difficult, mm -hmm. but it's because you're the, the bringer of the knowledge. And in order to bring the most, the most authentic, truest form of that healing, and knowledge you must first experience it yourself so that's what was yeah. coming through when you were talking yeah joe thank you so much and actually it makes me think um some moons ago a woman had identified like steph help because in each of my circles um there's there's a not a process but there are things that we do know certain things and, and there's a lot of there's ritual in in each one and, and so i try to do some sort of activity you know um, which we can place under the category of ritual. Um, and so, and so one time, and it was actually at this moon that she had made this comment. Um, I had, I hadn't moved my body recently, you know, I got two kids, they're three and six and, and we, you know, just, and I had felt like on this instinctual level, like I had reminded myself I haven't moved, I haven't run, I haven't done any yoga. Like I'm feeling stiff on a big level of stiff, and yeah. And so I use the astrology that's happening in the moon, but and so for somehow, like what I did then is the ritual that we did was through movement, and it was yoga, and I wrote a story that went along with these ten yoga poses, and so the story like oh. it encapsulates like what's happening with the astrology. It's simple enough that people don't have to listen. Like I read them the short story beforehand and then I used music and we went into yoga. And so this woman later was like, Steph, every time it's so different. And I was like, right, because I'm completely basing it off of an intuitional, what do, what's going on with me right now? Mm -hmm. 
And then, mm-hmm. then this, this, yeah. this trust that like, and mm-hmm. sometimes maybe it's easy to trust. Like if I haven't moved lately, I can probably guarantee that a portion of my women haven't moved. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so then after that validation, it was really easy for me to, because mm-hmm. then the other thing that we're trying to all do in this world is trust more. Right. Right. And like, that's so yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so of course, hearing that sort of comment and right there, having, having heard that comment after this particular process of having listened to myself, right. That's, that's a reminder of trust. Mm. Yeah. Trusting the, yeah. the little one. So the process. Yeah. 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 I was just listening to, um, I don't know if you've heard of like the channelings of Quo, it's the, the law of one. And one of the things was in there was talking about how, uh, what like the channels as it was coming through were saying, like, you know, we're thankful for the opportunity to teach today because as the teacher teaches, he or she also learns. A hundred percent. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think you've covered a lot, but I, I want to know, like, what are your, your hopes and dreams for the future of these circles? <laughs> oh, so many good hopes and dreams for the future of women. Um, it needs, so I guess my answer needs to be separated from like, um, sure, I have visions uh, I'm going to go have a meeting in a week about a cultural center. I wanted to rent my own space. I want to have space. I, I'm also a doula, so I accompany women in their whole birthing process. I also give Reiki sessions, so I'm doing that. So I'm starting to collect this bigger picture of a sign on a door, you know, and all the mm-hmm. decoration on the inside. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing. When you ask something like, What's the future of these women's circles? No, no, that more come. And I wish I didn't. I wish that money wasn't a thing. You know, I wish that there wasn't this need to like have an interchange because um, just more women need to start showing up. Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so what's the hope for these? Yeah, sure that they grow. Of course, um, now I'm just talking about all the business stuff of it because, yeah, of course I can picture... um, how to turn a woman's circle into a week-long retreat. This is possible. This yes. is possible, yeah. no? But but yes. right now, and I have this other, I don't want to refer to it as a hurdle, but I'm not at home. Actually, there are two things to talk about because here where I live in this country, ritual still exists, deeply exists. People are still speaking, uh, and when I say their native language, I don't mean Spanish. I mean they're speaking Quechua. And uh-huh. people every August go out and they make ofrendas, to the Pachamama. So like people are still deeply part of ritual, but they're also too busy just surviving to do something flowery like a women's circle. Who's got time for that? And I certainly don't have money to pay for it. But Um, then when I go back about home where time and money exist, the awareness of ritual and sacred tradition doesn't exist anymore. uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is yeah. that an understatement? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's the the yeah the, um, the worst of both worlds coupled with the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know that the money part of it is a difficult thing to overcome, but we are humans living in a three D world where we need to eat. money. Uh-huh. 
we need to eat and and you know have shelter and have have the things and it's part of our lives um i think there's i think there's um i know for for myself like my plans for the future are to have some kind to have offerings but to offer them on some kind of sliding scale yeah i have so a, yeah that. i do a range i also think maybe i bring it up too because you often hear i hear that they can't come because of it no yeah. and so then of course i offer like no no like mm-hmm. um this this little candle that i've used this is what she offered in exchange for the circle and i didn't question it i was this is fine because yeah. it's so good that she's here. And then after having her share and everything, it was like, right, so glad that she came. And this was the candle she bought herself for her birthday yes. while she was going through her separation and trying to figure out what to do with her kids. So actually this candle, while it, it it's not the money, but it, this was a super important piece of her to like give over, no? And so of course I try to wrap that in. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, it's kind of the marriage between these two things that I see in my two worlds because my head is still in the Northern Hemisphere, no? And that, that these people down here that yeah. have this ancestral tradition don't have the time or money, like money, no? Whatever money is, they, they don't... You're, you you become a bridge. At the yeah. And so I went home and I did some circles up at home, no? And so, right. And I and I have an on, like an online, a virtual um, new uh-huh. moon book club. In English. Oh, I like okay. hide. I hide the fact of a women's circle behind a book. <laughs> it's a secret. Don't tell anybody. But so it's like a. So we're 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 intentionally choosing books that are like female empowering. Um, and then I sure. usually bring in like I open it as a sacred space. I do the same things that I do in a circle. So I open it as a sacred space. Yeah. I sometimes try to get in like a meditation or an activity that has to do with the book. Uh-huh. No, but at the same time we're just reading a book. Okay. Mm. Right. So I gotta like go in easy with the North Americans <laughs> who, who don't have, have forgotten ritual. Yeah. So well, we end up being some of us end up becoming so disconnected from our familiar traditions and ancestry and all that. So yeah, along with the loss of ancestry and knowing where we come from or who we come from, we that's where the ritual is totally. lost. Totally. And and we've all become disconnected. Pretty period. Like yeah. I think we can just leave the sentence right there even sometimes. Yes. You guys, the two of you know Absolutely. that better than anybody else. So I think that the yeah. future vision is just that more that this happens more. That this happens more. Yeah. That it's not just me, it's not just me here in, in the in the valley, in the sacred valley, that that and it would be beautiful if it starts happening in those places where we've truly disconnected, yeah. like from the earth, from each other, from practice. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So can anyone join your, your English book, book club circle? Sure. Anyone like on, yeah? Sure. You will have all of my places to find yes, me. Everything. Yeah. I wouldn't put my phone number out there. And I, I know a lot of people are anti WhatsApp in the United States, which is fine. Um, but yeah, they can find me. We can get in there. We're finishing a book this next month. We just finished, well, we're working on Isabella Allende's novel, just of her, her autobiography. Okay. It's her autobiography. Oh, okay. And then we'll get into when, yeah. when women, if women rose rooted. 
So the idea is that it's a woman's it's a woman's book club, and the, like I said, we're definitely intentionally going through and reading our book. Excuse me, picking books now. Sure. So that, and then if there is anybody out there, the I do a full moon in person circle here where I live, and then I do a full moon virtual circle in Spanish in español. Okay. So okay. if that if that person existed out there that wanted to join that, it would be the yeah, same. Yeah, we do. We okay. do. I know we do have some uh -huh. Spanish speaking listeners. Yeah, pues. yeah. Hello, what a peruana. It's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Steph. This was such a beautiful conversation. It was wonderful to speak with you today. It was. It was just beautiful to also just to hear more details of your journey. And, um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, to, it's good to remember you. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the impact is really, and I hope this for everyone. Know that when they look back on their journey, that that all those twists and turns make sense now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Always circles yeah, back. That it just makes sense now, and um, and I did also want to just encourage the public out there to to gather together together it's so easy and joe i found myself thinking when i thought about it you mentioned this a lot too like with i think you say like with powerful intention like when we go into things you have an adjective you put in front of intention like with really meaningful intention a group of women can get together and not get caught up in like like if a group of friends gets together it's really easy for us to just sit there and keep chatting no And that's the thing where if you yes. really want to like set up mm -hmm. and if we want to call it a sacred space, like a space where it's intentional, something has to pull those women to a different conversation, right? So like something as simple as a candle. Yeah. Uh, and so we sit around the candle yeah. and we just, yeah. we know and we remember that when we sit around the candle, um, now the conversation is going to be a little bit more directed, you know, and like from here. From the, yeah. from the lower chakras instead of here, yeah. like about the days and about the families yeah. and about the kids. I, I think the candle is, uh, right. Yeah, I think the candle is that like invocation of, of spirit, of the higher self, of light, yeah. of, of that, that, you know, that more, yeah. more of, like you just said, like not so much the lower earthly stuff, it's the higher, just more beautiful love centered yeah, things. Yeah. You guys have also talked about making an altar. You know, and you know. Mm -hmm. And so like having this representation so what, of the four elements. Sorry, Joe, I think there's a there's no, a how do you that's call it? That's all right. So I mean what I was going to say is that I'm not big into rituals. It's 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 not it's not something that has um um how do I say it's not that it's not interesting to me because it's it's beautiful and wonderful it doesn't in my Capricorn brain doesn't make enough room for it sometimes in my mm. in my when I do presentations or teaching or whatever but I do know that in like a random class or something when there's space at the end for people to ask questions and there's no agenda or anything like that. You know what's on your mind. It's always very beautiful. And there's always, you know, people that, so, so it's, it's giving people that space to just talk about whatever. It, um, it's always very yeah. beautiful. So it doesn't mm -hmm. matter that it's not, 
um, in a circle, but oh my God, the beauty of a circle. It, it makes me go, why do I not incorporate more of these things into you know, yeah. my practices? Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody, I mean, like yeah. five years doing this, everyone walks out happy. Everybody walks out happy. Even the yeah. ones that are crying a lot, like yeah. they feel really good afterwards. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's all you can hope yeah. for. Yeah. So that's beautiful. that would be the future of them. If, if, if just more people just take the time, make the space and light a candle. No? Yeah. Yeah. So here's to that. Thank you. Thanks. All right. All right, Joe, you have something for us on the closing vibe? No, I do. So this equinox that we're experiencing. So, okay. So it's, we're recording today on the equinox. Um, and this won't come out until Friday, right? Friday. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so will have been past it, but the message will still be the same. Um, because Mm -hmm. you know, this doesn't feel like a message that is just, um, a one-time thing. So this particular equinox is bringing a wave of energy that supports transformation. Transformation is such a huge thing and it's a reset. So it's time to, you know, finally release and surrender. Um, you know, that old stuff like suffering and doubt and really get ready for that year ahead because we're also moving into a brand new astrological year. So depending on which numerology personal year that anybody is in, the energy of the message that I'm about to read and um, that number, how they come together are going to be, are going to be different for everybody, but it's, it's really unique to you. All right. So the message is from the eight of cups and the king of swords. I'm just going to summarize it just by saying that the way to master this energy is to surrender all that heaviness of that last year, everything that you've been carrying around. Let's even start with since the beginning of COVID, right? March of 2020. So we're going two years ago for the last two years since we've been under quarantine and the world is shut down. It's now time to really just sort of surrender that heaviness. Um, and then choose that one thing, choose that sacred dream, choose that dream and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do now and move forward. And so everything that we need begins with us first and foremost inside. So it's time to go back inside. All right. So now if you take the message of that, as it applies to um, the, the, the personal energy that you're in, in this year, then you have a really specific path forward. So for you, for you, or at least you are in an 11, two year. Um, and that 11, two, um, year is, um, it's a master year. And so a two is typically about partnerships, patience, balance, and harmony, um, cultivating, that balance in all areas of your life. Okay. Um, but, but that 11 year in there, it's a little bit different because that 11 is a double one energy. So it's about action, moving forward, taking action, you know, moving it all to the front seat. So you are sort of like in your personal year, 
where all of these things are going to come to the forefront. It's how those relationships help you and then the actions that need to be taken as a result of them or the actions that come up or the things that come up that you need to act on when it comes to bringing in more partnerships and balance and harmony in, in your life. So, mm. so wow. I know, and, um, you know, the two year, the, listen, I'm going to tell you, the two year was not my favorite because it was slow and there were a lot, there was just a lot of bullshit that you have to deal with. Um, but mm. it's also that year where you turn around and you go, I, you know what you're capable of after a two year you yourself are mm. capable of. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now stuff for you, you have a year and a personal year eight and your theme is empowerment, finances, material wealth, and success. It's mostly about disempowerment and then empowerment, disempowerment, where seeing all of the areas of your life where you feel disempowered, where you are disempowered, where you think disempowered, and then sort of flipping them and saying, okay, that's not going to work for me, right? So then you go back to the message, surrender, but do so with a tenacity and a focus, surrender the stuff. I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give all the disempowering things up, but this is how I'm going to do, um, how I'm going to do that. There's a plan. And then the flip on that is the other side of empowerment is, or of disempowerment is empowerment. So how are you helping others? Because that, that person who is, is no longer, is no longer disempowered, they're empowered. That's great. But how do you use your power? Mm -hmm. And then when you do it within the scope of your soul's urging, that material wealth and success is, it's, it comes as a result of it. Yeah. So, um, so that's why, okay, first off, let me tell you, that's why I freaking love numerology because it's just so badass. It just, it's incredible. It just explains everything. Um, but that's why it's important to, for people to, um, you know, pull, pull some cards for yourself and then compare those messages of the cards that come up with your, with your, um, your universal or your, your personal year. And it'll help give you a lot more um, insight into how to proceed and what's holding you back. That's incredible. That's All right. You're Thank very you. welcome. Thank you so much. Everybody's welcome. All right, guys. Uh, all right. Well, as you know, you can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcast and be sure to join our Facebook community, the Esoterics Podcast community, to hear firsthand about our services, events and courses, as well as get intuitive development tips, card pulls, free meditations and a, a lot, lot more. more because obviously we've been inspired and maybe, you know, there'll be a couple virtual meditations in there. I say that all the time and I'm like, yeah, I'll get back to it. But maybe I will. Maybe now is the time to surrender my bullshit not following through with us. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Thank you for sharing space with us today. Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next week.